What is up, you beautiful bastards? It's your boy, Chef Taco, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talk to Philia Kellenhofer. That's a name. Wow. Of SweetFee.com. She is the master food blogger behind the SweetFee blog. So I met Fee last year when she won the OK Dork business contest, and we worked on her business in person. This business was super impressive. Not only does she run a six-figure food blog, she also has a regular day job, three kids, and a loving husband. Look, I'm just struggling just to do the business stuff. It was really impressive, and she's so positive about it. So I'm really excited to share how the heck has she grown this business with such an amazing attitude, and I want to share with all you sexy people. So if you've ever wanted to learn about the journey behind growing a blog or side hustle you're passionate about, you're going to love this episode. In this conversation, enjoy three major things. Number one, fees three aha moments and game changers for her business. Number two, planning a dream day and starting small. And number three, transitions from nothing to side hustle and from side hustle to full time. Oh my. Enjoy those three things plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. I love you. Before we jump into the conversation, go check out halldrop.com. That's H-A-U-L drop.com and upvote or drop your favorite products. Halldrop is the newest way to discover and share the best products. This is something we've made for you so that we can promote dope products. It's just like AppSumo for physical products. That's halldrop.com. And also a special pre-show shout out to listener Ashby Daniels of the USA. They left a review saying the show is creativity squared. Man, that is damn good. Thanks, man. And I thank you guys all for listening. And if you want to shout out in a future episode, just go leave an iTunes review. I check every single one of them. I had an amazing day yesterday and I was like, okay, well, what happened today that made this day great? I went biking in the morning. I went and helped out mellowjohnnies.com. They're a local bike shop. I just went over there and we hung out for two hours working on their marketing, kind of things that we've done together. I learned I got to meet a divorce lawyer. Oh, my best friend's a divorce lawyer. So <laughs> is she or he's single or married? She's married. Has she been divorced? No, she hasn't. But she's told me every single story under the sun. And it's fascinating to me. And like divorce lawyers are typically very busy at the beginning of the year because parents stay together over the holidays. And then come January, they're like, I'm fucking out. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so I talked with him. And then I like relaxed and went and played chess and then read a book and got all my to-dos done. And I was like, came home, had a nice meal with the lady. And uh, yeah, mark it off. If I can just know what elements make a great day, I can just make sure I do those every day. You did something similar when we met. And you said, what does your dream day look like? And that's like one of the things that's really stuck with me from our initial meeting. So I think about this principle a lot actually now. And I try to be cognizant of like when I'm having an awesome day, what is what is happening? So it's funny that you said that because when we met, that was one of my biggest takeaways. I have like three or whatever, but that was one of them. And yesterday was actually one of my, like pretty close to my dream day as you could get. (laughs) All right. So walk me through that. So I woke up early, got some work done. Kids woke up. I got to spend time with them. Husband went to work. And then I had a babysitter come over and then I went to my office and I got a bunch of work done. And then I got to come back and feed them, help with lunch or whatever, because it's crazy with three. (laughs) But I mean, she's watching them most of the time. But then my older son, he comes in my office. It's like the sweetest thing in the world. And he loves going through my cookbooks. And I have like a huge bookshelf of them. And so he like sits on the floor and I tell him, hey, I'm working. So you have to be quiet as a mouse. And then he says, quiet as a mouse. 
he'll bring in toys or he'll sit and look through cookbooks, whatever. But he's quiet and he's like right behind me. And then when they went down for a nap, I went to some meetings, which were, I love working with awesome people. And it was like a super productive meeting where we were talking about things I'm going to do in the future for sweetfee.com. And then I came home, we made dinner and it was just, it was awesome. What made that day different than other days? That's my work from home day. That's one day a week. Normally, I wake up super early, get a little bit of work done. Then I pack everybody up, take them to daycare, go to work, which is about 45 minutes away driving, do meetings and stuff all day there. And then by the time I get home, it's probably like close to five, six. Then I have to make dinner, feed everyone, quickly put them to bed. And then I work until like midnight. (laughs) So what I'm doing to try to get closer to my more dream days is that come summer, I'm going to be going down part time with my other job and work remote. You're living a dream that a lot of people aspire to. And so I was looking to share that story and kind of explore that with you because you've had a day job and you've done a side hustle and One of the things uh, I was curious about is that if other parents are stay-at-home or my brother's a doctor, right? And he has a a day job or I guess kind of a day job-ish. And he's been wanting to have more income, so he's been doing stocks. And I was like, okay, that's risky. But how did you go from a day job to creating the side hustle and doing sweetfee.com and getting that going as an actual business? I've always loved cooking and sharing and interacting with people. and. For as long as I can remember, high school, college, graduate school, beyond, I've always loved having people over, having parties, and cooking. Okay, it's just been part of my daily life. And people would ask me for the recipes, and I'd sit there and I'd type them out, send them an email, and then someone else would ask, type it out again, send it. So I was talking with my husband once and I was like, man, I'm like really behind. I need to send like, you know, 20 emails today. And he's like, why don't you just like put it online somewhere, like a blog or something, and then just like send people the link. And I was like, oh, that's such a good idea. I'd never even thought of that. And this is like, I didn't even know what blogs were. I probably still don't. (laughs) So I created a blog. I put up some recipes. I would send people the link. And I just like love doing that. And I did that just random, like zero thought to it, not doing any research or anything, literally just like posting a recipe, no intro, not even like a title of the recipe. (laughs) And I would put that online and I did that for like three years, Noah. Did you make any money in those three years? Nothing. I'm curious about how people can figure out their business ideas, but yours was just a hobby or something that people were asking you and you were just doing it as something that you enjoyed. Yes. Yes, 100%. It was a hobby, like did not do it to make money, did not know you could make money. Like I said, I did not know that there were other food blogs. Like this is just like totally mind boggling, not looking back, you know, the slow process of me like having a conversation like, oh, maybe people, other people are doing blogs. Let me like Google some, (laughs) you know? And then I found other blogs and I was like, wow, they're like taking beautiful photos and they're writing a recipe that makes sense that I want to make. <laughs> How did you make your first dollar with that? Three years. It's kind of a while. I didn't even know that you could make money from it. So like, I didn't think other people were like making my recipes or like liking them besides just like one or 
two people or like my mom. <laughs> what was the first money you made? And why'd you finally do it then? I was like, okay, I think I'm going to take this blog thing seriously. I see people making money now. Like, how do I even go about that? And so I did a bunch of research into, you know, how do people make money online? And a lot of it's like ads or working with companies. And so I reached out to some companies and they sent me some stuff. You just asked for their stuff? Yeah. So that's how I got started. I basically worked for free product. And then that turned into like, okay, well, now you have some money. Pay me for that. So they sent you their free product and then you said, hey, give me money for it? Or how did you actually transition your first paying person? I saw that it worked and I saw that people were then buying the product as a result of the recipe I had made. And then I reached out to a different brand and I said, hey, I can create a recipe if you send me your stuff and I now require like, I don't know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks. So that was like one thing. So that's like me pitching to brands essentially. And that was the first way you made it where they send your stuff and you're like, hey, it's 50 bucks and I'll make the recipe and use your name. Yep. And then I'll share it on my blog and I'll share it on whatever else I have. Did you get rejected right away or did you get like... Yeah, to this day, like there's so much rejection. Like you just have to keep following up. What do you mean? So you started and you said, hey, do you want to give me 50 bucks? And it wasn't right away. And this is, you know, after three years of working, I would have just given up. Yeah. Well, and see, the thing is like, I enjoyed it so much that I just like kept doing stuff. Okay. Well, you were doing it regardless if someone's going to be paying you or not. Exactly. And I think to this day, I probably would too. Like if I wasn't getting paid anymore, I still love what I'm doing so much that I would like continue to share. Yeah. How did it feel to finally get that first money? I remember as I've helped people start their businesses, that was always kind of like the big fear is it getting rejected, which I don't know if you've heard my coffee challenge. People really like that, which was like asking for 10% off at a coffee shop. But I was actually surprised and even for myself at times, like how scary it is to get the rejection. Yeah. And then another place that I first started making money where I saw like, oh, hey, this could turn into something bigger was there's a lot of these, I don't know how to describe them. They're like PR companies where brands pay them to find bloggers and then they create campaigns and you apply to the campaign. And then they can accept or reject you. But then there's also like a payment behind it. So I started applying for some campaigns. And again, you don't get a lot of them. But then I, I ended up starting to get some and get more and more as my work improved. <laughs> you know, the thing is you stick with it where most other people have given up. I know there's, there's so many people that I met who were bloggers who just don't blog anymore. I've had this weird thought and I don't know why. I'm like, the only reason to be a successful like content producer, influencer, whatever, is you just have to put an effort. The only thing that I do is I just keep doing it. Yes. People give up and people don't do follow through. And one of the biggest catalysts for me after having talked to you was something so stupid, but effective. And that is goal setting. I was just doing a bunch of awesome stuff and it was making more money. And we can talk about that in a second, because there's, there's a bunch of different ways I make money now that have changed even in the last two years, Noah, I was looking at numbers before our call. 
And from 2017 to now, it's quadrupled. And the biggest thing has just been like, here are some revenue targets. And then working backwards, like, where is that money coming from? How do I go after it? And I think a lot of people don't do that. So if someone like my brother is an at-home doctor, I guess, how do you find out what kind of business idea you could do based on your experiences? Yeah. I mean, what is he super passionate about that he would do if he wasn't going to get paid for it? Lately, one of his things that he's enjoyed is that if you have medical bills, he actually does this at a corporate level, but he can evaluate your medical bill and see if they're overcharging you for anything. Holy shit. That's amazing. He does like doing that. I think for him, he's like, well, how do I get customers? Yeah, that's the thing. How do you get customers with that? That's tough. The easiest one is that everyone's gone to the doctor, or everyone's gone to the dentist or OBGYN or whatever it is. And I was like, why don't you just do them for free? Kind of like, you know, some of what you've done, which is, hey, for three years, I've blogged. And then now I'm going to ask for 50 bucks to keep doing some of what I do. I think with him, it's a similar thing. Like, hey, why don't you see if people will respond and you can help them? And then eventually you can charge for that. Yeah. So I, I love your podcast. I listen to it a lot. And I like taking little pieces of different information from all different industries and seeing how I can apply them. And one of the things I've noticed consistently is a lot of the people you talk to, that's how they start. Like they're giving away free, whatever, granola bars, or they're doing something for free to get customers and then get feedback. And then they're kind of building their business off the feedback. It makes sense. I was at a dinner party with my friend Nick Gray's in New York years ago. And you, he's a weirdo and I love him. And we had this icebreaker and I met this girl who made ice cream. And I was like, oh my God, that's the coolest thing. I can't believe you make, you make ice cream. And then I was like, how much ice cream do you eat every day? And she's like, I don't eat ice cream anymore. What? She's like, I don't eat ice cream anymore. I'm done with ice cream, but I still make it. It's my business. And then, you know, there's always that question when you talk to people, don't make your hobbies your work. I guess, how has it been for you where you've turned a hobby of just doing recipes and cooking into now this is, I'm obligated to, to do it as a business. Yeah. I get so lost in my work. I love it. You have to stop me from overworking <laughs> because it's just like the more I work on it, the more I'm doing things that are more like business. It's not necessarily always creating recipes or photographing or, you know, working with cool brands. Like a lot of the stuff is, you know, last week I spent, I don't know, five hours communicating with my lawyer because a brand wouldn't pay and they owed me a ton of money and whatever. Or the week before that, I was on the phone with QuickBooks because QuickBooks self-employed had like a huge error in their system that is known in the UK, but not here in the US because people aren't paying attention. Who the fuck knows what? But then they were like, okay, we'll switch you to QuickBooks small business, but our systems don't talk to each other. So you literally have to export and import all your data for the past year. And, oh, wait, you have to talk to 800 different managers. And we closed your account in the process. So now we have to like open your account, get your data. Now you have to go and re-import it. Uh, what'd you do about the person who didn't pay you? So my lawyer is working out a payment plan with them. We're going to either take them to court or they're going to start paying me payments. I was just thinking like the five hours of your lawyer is going to cost more than they owe you. No. My father always said this line to me, and he was an interesting businessman. He was like, make them always chase you. Make them chase you. Don't let you chase them. I guess people are always chasing him for money. <laughs> <laughs> My dad's big lesson was always like, whatever you're doing, be good at it. <laughs> and I love that. 
Do you have something you say to your kids a lot? Be kind. I know that's stupid, but there's so many just like assholes in the world. And so I just, I want them to be kind. My older son is just learning how to talk. And so when I drive him to and from school, I always like have these little conversations with him out of nowhere. He'll be like, oh, this kid pushed me. And like, as a parent, you're like, what's their name? I'm going to go fuck them up. But then it's like, okay, you take a step back and be like, okay, tell them to stop, tell the teacher, leave the situation. But like, in general, be kind. (laughs) It's funny, my mom still tells me things. I'm like, mom, you said that when I was a little kid, which she always says the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And my mom is really persistent. That's a nice way of putting it. She's like, you got to make noise if you want to get them to pay attention. Very true. Good life lesson. (laughs) So it really is just like find something you enjoy doing and just keep doing it. It doesn't work right away. I was thinking about this last night. We launched this new thing called Hall Drop. Basically, there's so many amazing people making products out there. And so it's like, well, why don't we help promote their products and help show off their stuff? And so I was I was telling a friend about it last time we're discussing it. And I was like, making easy money is hard. Yes. You hear all these people with like passive income and like, do you know how much work it takes to create that passive income? And it's never passive. Like you have to do stuff to it. Like even if you create, okay, an ebook, let's say you still have to a create the ebook, have the idea to create the ebook, create the thing, then money's coming in and you have to make sure the system for your money is working. The system for emailing out your ebook is working. Like none of that is passive. There are times where eventually things become passive. It's only in the sense of you've been able to hire people who can keep the machine growing. Eventually, like a garden, you stop kind of maintaining something to your point. If you're not promoting the ebook, eventually someone's going to have a better ebook than you. They're going to have different promotion. They're going to have system, blah, blah. So it's how do you find people or ways that your machine keeps improving over time? Something I think we figured out pretty early on with AppSumo was that, man, if I die, then it stops. So what parts do we need to replace? that can make sure if I die, we keep going. And then the next level is how do I put redundancies? So I don't know why we have a lot of death at our company. We don't, no one's dying here. I think we called it like a death list. At my previous company, Gambit, we did payments for Facebook games and we did a lot of the major games and we created the death list. We're like, here's everything that could go wrong that would ruin our business. And so we started going through all the different things and removing them. And then the only one we didn't put on was Facebook bans us. And so Facebook banned our company. It's a a longer story for another episode. You know, but you play in someone else's playground, uh, that stuff happens. I, that is interesting, though. I guess maybe related to the sweetfee.com empire, which is what I love calling your business. If you stop working on it, what happens? Like, what do you think would happen the rest of this year if you stopped doing your business? Well, the good thing is that I have tried, like you said, to set up some system so that now there's money coming in, regardless of if I'm actively doing a ton of stuff. So literally, if I were to drop dead tomorrow, my site would probably continue to earn money because I have some really awesome recipes that people continue to search that then brings in ad revenue and people would continue to buy my cookbooks. I've got two and I already have all that in place. So it would continue to bring in money. Where do you think your business would be at the end of the year versus now? So one of the things that I'm doing very differently in the past few years is that I've noticed people starting to ask me things like, where do you get that shirt your son is wearing? Or where are your pants from? Or 
ooh, I like the table that you have in your office. Where did you get it? So things like that, I've been growing more of the affiliate part. And that's just such a hard and ugh thing. But it has been making incrementally a little bit more money. So I'm working on that and putting plans in place for that. So there's new money coming in. What are they affiliating? So I'm affiliating everything from what spatula I'm using to what I'm wearing to like what Airbnb I'm going to go rent. So you can get affiliate links for all that stuff. And so you're saying that by adding more affiliate links on your site, you think that'll help sustain you or get the business growing whether or not you're working? Correct. So I have had for the past three years now, a weekly newsletter. And in the weekly newsletter, I would say everything from like, here are seasonal recipes to make. Here are the new things on the blog. And here's some family stories. And people loved that, but they would email me and say, hey, what did you talk about three weeks ago? And I would have to like go into the email system, find it, find the link, what they were talking about, and then send it to them. So what I did was I created it into a series on my site called Catching Up with the Kelnhoffers, because <laughs> our last name is Kelnhoffer. That was actually another one of my husband's ideas. I should start paying him. These husbands are good. You got to get one. You know, a lot of very successful bloggers or influencers, what you don't see is that they have a husband running their shit. My husband is not a computer programmer or anything like that. I'm like, sometimes I'm like, okay, honey, you gotta, gotta get going. <laughs> so you don't see all that. But anyway, so I created this series. So now the email turns into a blog post and people, even my mother, she gets it as a newsletter. She knows it's a blog post and she's like, oh, I loved your newsletter last week. And then she's like, and this week I checked out Catching Up with the offers. <laughs> like, mom, it's the same thing. <laughs> Who makes more money in your family between you and your husband? I do. How is that in the relationship? I think it's totally fine. He jokes about it sometimes. And he's, oh man, he's amazing. He's just like, I feel that he's proud of me and that he's rooting for me. He's not weird about it ever. And we were talking earlier about uh, how we met divorce lawyers. And I, I asked him, he said the number one reason generally people get divorced is over money. Man, I know some friends who have had the same thing happen where like they became more successful and then there's a lot of resentment there. I would definitely recommend having like a good conversation about finances and all that. I think, how do you guys manage it so it works between you guys with your money and his money? And Well, he always jokes that like his money is our money and my money is my money. But that's not true. Now we have all our stuff together and it's, I kind of manage it. So he's like, do whatever you want and tell me what I need to do. <laughs> what was your 2019 revenue or just the range? I don't need to be like... Close to 300000 Hire me. I'll just come work for you. I'll be your intern. And then what does it cost to run this kind of business? Okay, that's another thing. People don't understand how much money it costs. You'll hear the number 300000 but what you don't hear is the like 150, 200000 of expenses, just like mundane shit that adds up very quickly. You can lose sight of that. 
you need internet, you need someone to host your site, you need a service to track this, you need another service to do that. You know, I use schedulers for a bunch of stuff because I'm not sitting there 24 seven on social media. So I use a service where I upload stuff and then I go in and I plan it or I create image graphics or I do photography. You need editing software. You have a camera, you have equipment. Like I do recipes. You need to buy ingredients. It adds up real quick. So what's the range of how much it costs to run your business? I would say between 100 to 200,000. But when we talked, one of the things the dream day brought up was that like I really want a beautiful studio space. Where does revenue come from of the 300? I get money from ad revenue. So my thought process behind the newsletter, then to the blog. So then when people come to the blog, you know, that's ad revenue. And then I started throwing in some affiliate links. So then that's additional money. So that's just to finish on that thing. A lot of it comes from ad revenue and then sponsored work where I work with a company and I create a recipe with their product. That takes talent. And I've only realized how much talent that takes. Recently, when you go to other sites and you're like making the recipe and it just fails, you're like, what? It does take talent to create a good recipe that people are making. (laughs) So a big chunk comes from sponsored work, ad revenue, and then products. So I have two cookbooks. And those are physical cookbooks. You buy them, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, other places. And then the last portion is the affiliate income. What stuff has like not worked or worked around making more money or as you've tried to evolve your business last year and then moving into this year? One thing I'm very cognizant about is I don't want to work with a hundred brands. I would rather work with two or three, and then do repetitive things with them to really garner audience support. Like if I'm working with a, like a quinoa brand, I don't want to then turn around and use a different quinoa brand next week. (laughs) So a lot of thought has gone into that because for a while I was just working to try to grow with any brand I could. And now I'm very cognizant and I say no left and right if it's not a good fit. You probably don't even realize, but like a lot of Instagram influencers, they build into their contracts how long they should keep up the post. And so they'll keep it up, but then take it down a few days later and then work with another brand. Or, you know, I've seen food bloggers do this too. Like they'll talk about one pasta brand and then a few weeks later, talk about another one. So if you're a brand trying to work with someone like you, let's say SendFox wants to sponsor you for email marketing. What's the best way to approach or get the most out of working with one of these bloggers or influencers? So I listened to your last podcast that you put out and it was really fascinating to me as, you know, someone who works with brands. I definitely agree with, you know, know who you're talking to as a brand. Like don't just like pitch to a hundred people and random people that you have like no connection with, or you can't see what they're going to do. You know, I like the brand that wants to work with me. That's, I don't know, opened my website (laughs) and knows kind of what I'm about. And then 
when we talk on the phone, so much of it is phone, which is what, you know, someone else said. So I always talk with a brand about like, I don't want to do one post with you. I want to do three or four or five or six. Like the sweet spot for me tends to be four once a quarter. So I want them to have enough money to pay to make it worth it where I'm like continually mentioning you because we're working together. So I'd say if you're a brand, know why you want to work with influencer. Like I am not a person who is just going to like accept a couple thousand dollars to put up a post and then like not care if you give me a code, not care if no one purchases it. If I'm working with you and you're giving me a code, like personally, I want people to buy your stuff. Like it's not working if no one's buying it. (laughs) Yeah. I remember with conferences a long time ago, my main goal was never revenue. It was like, what percent of people can I get to come to the second conference? How do I make sure that the attendees and the sponsors have such a great experience that they're like, okay, when's the next one? And I want to see what percent actually come to the second one. I want the brands to be like, we want to work with Sweet Fee because she produces amazing stuff. Like people actually buy or make the recipes and there's brand recognition. We can only get to Fee's audience through Fee. And those are the people we want using our stuff. Something you talked about earlier was like three major things that you've changed your business that you think really helped you. Okay, so aha, moment number one is you asked me, what does your dream day look like? You wake up, what are you doing? Like, are you eating something? Are you drinking something? Like, what are you listening to? Like, tell me your dream day in detail. So what did you actually do? Did you actually like write that down? Like, hey, here's what my dream day looks like. I wrote that down. No, I'm getting goosebumps because like to this day, if I'm having a really good day, I think back and I'm like, what did I do today? Like what made this different than yesterday? And so I've started doing things that make it more dreamlike. And I'm a generally happy person, but I feel like just happiness radiating from me (laughs) and excitement, you know, when I'm working on stuff that I love doing. So I think it's writing it down and seeing like, what's the difference? Like, and there was like, for me, there was some pretty big areas that needed improvement. Like my work environment was one, my health, I had never before in my life, like set a health goal. And I did this year and it's making me feel great. So again, it goes back to the dream day. If I'm in a day job and I'm maybe not as much control over my day, like I have to be in an office and I'm obligated to some female or male boss. They're like, I can't have dream days because I have a work to do. That's a great scenario. I work in an office four days a week and I have got dream days at the office. Little changes I made were like, okay, the lunch I'm bringing. Well, when I go and I eat something that's not great, I don't feel great. <laughs> so I started changing what I'm eating for lunch. That's little steps that I'm, you know, making my day more dreamy or coffee. Like, One thing for me is I love a good iced coffee, (laughs) like coffee creamers that you buy at the store. They just taste fake to me. Okay. So what can I do to change my coffee experience? Well, I'm going to figure out an awesome recipe for a coffee creamer. And now when I drink my iced coffee on the way to work, it just makes me happy. (laughs) Whatever days you're going to have to be, you know, two parts of it. One, do whatever it is within that day that makes it amazing. You can use Strides app. We had that guy on the show a while ago, which makes it easier to kind of like have a checklist more for each day. And then the second thing, I think if you hate the job and that's, you know, eight hours of your day, 
you know, someone like yourself really took initiative and spent, you know, almost 10 years now so that they could leave that type of environment. I've been really tripping on this thought, like, is life happening to you or are you making life happen? Personally, I'm just like, oh, I can't wait for things to just come to me. I've just been really reminding myself of that, like, go out and make the things happen that you want to have happen. They're not going to just come to you. It never does. Maybe once in a while. But <laughs> but the reality is really it's about you going out there and making making it happen. it happen. Yes. And I don't know, kind of thinking about, is it making you happy? And like, I know a lot of people talk about happiness and like, you don't always have to go run a marathon, like go outside and take a walk as a first step. I think if you have this list of what makes a great day, it's reading, it's probably gonna be teaching, it's probably gonna be exercise, probably gonna be eating something that that makes you feel good. It could just think about the smallest thing possible. There's like five minute journal, which my buddy Mitchell gave me. It's called what I'm grateful. And every day I just write one thing. Yesterday's was inappropriate, but today's I can share. It was the sound of rain. I love that. I'm just so excited to work on my business and growing it. And like, I see all these things I want to do. And so like, I'll talk to him about, you know, some of the stuff that I'm thinking about doing. And so there was, (laughs) there was this time that he was like, oh, that's some big dick energy. (laughs) And I started dying. And then one time I was like, something really cool had happened. Like I got a really big check in the mail. Who are you sharing that with? Right? Like you can't post that online. So I like, I sent him a picture of me holding the check and then he like sent me back a picture of that phrase. <laughs> I'm a fan of the big dick energy. I think that's going to be a 2020 phrase and you're, you're kind of starting it off. So my buddy Greg Mercer from Juggle Scout was the one who him and his wife kind of kept telling me about BDE. V set it off and uh, it's going to be super popular 2020 BDE energy. Right. All right. So number one for everyone out there. Think about what your dream day looks like, write that list down, and then look at that list daily, it sounds like, or often, and then adjust that list. Kind of tying into that is the second thing, which was the goal setting. So I wrote down all my goals. I went and I found images that I liked, and then I put them together along with my word of the year. So last year, I started a word of the year. And last year it was just do it. And that meant just the little thing you can do, just get it off your list. Like just do it, get it done. And again, this came from a conversation with my husband where we were joking and it's like a Nike, right? Just do it. So then this year when I was having a conversation, like, okay, I'm thinking about what should I do for my word of the year? He went to University of Wisconsin, Madison for college. And he was saying that they're, I don't know, their football slogan, something is forward. And I was like, I love that. To me, it means once you get something in motion, it keeps going forward and just like take a step towards something to move it forward. So what I did for my vision board is I wrote the word down like in big, pretty font. And then around it, I found pictures that kind of exemplified that thing or like a goal. And I put them all on there and then I created an image and I printed it and I put it on the inside of my planner, which I look at every single day. So for mine, like we want to move into a new house. So I found like a pretty little house, you know, that I like, I want to make a bunch of money. So I found like a pretty picture of a money roll. (laughs) I, you know, want to have awesome experiences with my kids. So I put different things for that on there. I want them to each have like a fun 
you know, welcoming home experience. So I have like little cubbies that I want in our house. I want to take a trip to Door County, which is up north. So I put a picture of like a sailboat. When I showed this to my husband, he was like, oh, are we buying a boat? (laughs) And then I wanted to eat healthier. So some of my freezer meals, because I need to make them ahead because I don't have time at the end of the day. So that's my vision board. I like it. So here's the thing with goal setting. People just don't freaking do it. Yes. I know I've talked to people in marketing, which is my specialty. I'm like, what's your goal? Like, I don't know. I'm going to just do some stuff. And I'm just like, did you not listen to anything we've talked about? Or have you seen anything online? And I don't know, I guess, what were you doing before? And then how can other people that maybe were in your shoes, like cross that hurdle? Honestly, I had always just heard about goal setting. Like I never did it. And to take it a step further at the beginning of the year, be like, oh, here are like two or three things I want to, you know, do or goals this year. Like I would never revisit them. So what kind of put it together for me was listening to something of yours. It was old. You had hired some company to do, I don't know, some work for you. And you had said, and it was from the guy's perspective, I think. And he said that you had a weekly call with him and you were, you would go over goals. And then at the end of the week, you would be like, yo dog, you didn't reach your goals. What happened? (laughs) And he said he felt like shit for not meeting his goals week after week until he changed some stuff. And for me that clicked because I was like, Oh God, I don't want to like disappoint people, myself, my business. Like I don't want to constantly be failing but I'm not even checking anything. So let's start with making a list of things I need to do and then turn that into goals. So last year up until this year, I just kind of wrote a list because I wasn't ready to like set goals. I just wrote a list of like, here are the things that need to get done. And it was things like, you know, publish a post, edit photos, you know, read emails, And so, well, that was the step one. So that was like, make a list of what you need to do on a recurring basis and then see, hey, are you doing that stuff or not? If not, why not? The next step is, okay, I'm doing all the stuff I need to do on a recurring basis. Here's what I would like to do. And those are my goals. So do you think most people are just like doing the activities, but it's not necessarily clear what the destination? Yes. You said... You don't just get in a car and wonder where you're going. I think that was you. You look at a map. You pick your destination. You figure out your route. And you start driving and you adjust accordingly or your car drives and figures it out. Actually, one of the episodes we're working on in the next few weeks is called like the fantasy list. And uh, I saw this company called Roblox, which your kids will probably get into. It's like very popular with kids. They put out this thing called end of year 2023, EOI 2023. And it was like, if you go to sendfox.com slash Noah. It's in the future edition. So sendfox.com slash Noah in the future edition. So basically they listed out like the most insane things they can think of to do in the next like five years. So for example, 50% of the toys in the USA will have a Roblox scan tag. 1 million concurrent players in Roblox games. We want to be in the Tesla cars. The president of the USA will mention his or her Roblox avatar on camera. You know, I've heard that about goal setting, you think of something crazy or like that you really want to do, like your wildest dream, 
push it to the, as far as it can go, and then write it down like it's happening. I do that too. <laughs> you write it down like it's happening? What does that mean to you? Yeah, like I am the author of a hardcover cookbook that a million people have purchased, use, and love. I like that. Like if you believe it, you'll achieve it kind of thing. It sounds like woo-woo, but a lot of that, it works. Yeah, I mean, I don't really care personally what works for anybody except whatever works for them. It's kind of like food. Like if it tastes good to you, then just keep eating that. Keep doing whatever the hell makes it good for you. So number two, goal setting, go get it done. And if you're thinking, hey, I've, you know, I was like fee and I didn't have goals. It sounds like just pick maybe one thing you want to accomplish this year. And secondly, it sounds like you have your husband, but find someone that cares about you that will say like maybe every month, how's your goal doing? That part is hard to me because I don't know if I've shared all mine with my husband or anyone. I think a lot of it is personal too. Like there are some that I'm just working on personally that I don't think I need someone asking me how I'm doing. Like I just need to work towards them myself. I don't know. Maybe I just like have different types of friends or whatever, but like, I don't think I have a friend who would like love hearing about my shit constantly. For me, accountability works really well. I love having someone that is not judging me, but like I use my buddy Adam from my body tutor who you're familiar with. Yes. His stuff's amazing, by the way. His free program is amazing. And so I emailed him telling him that he forwarded that email to his team and his team was like, oh, hey, we linked to one of Sweet Feed's recipes. I was thinking about that today. We're like, maybe once a day, email someone you're learning or liking and just thank them for something you've gained from Noah, them. No, that's on my goals list. And I'm actively doing that one hour a week. <laughs> you know, it's funny because yesterday I helped the Mellow Johnny's company. And I was like, man, helping someone that I really care about or the, a product I care about. Like, I want to try to figure out how to incorporate that more regularly into my week. Like, I know Neville does consulting because he wants to, like, keep sharp and connect. I mean, not to be crass about it, but I think there's a way that you should do that and make money at it. There's something there that that we haven't thought of yet where, like, you need to talk to businesses and they need to pay you. And then you just, like, give them this amazing advice because it's, like, it's life-changing, Noah. Thank you very much. I will marinate on that. And I appreciate the feedback. And uh, third thing that aha moment for you. Getting your team on the same page. So I work with someone who is amazing and I want to work with her more and more. And I think she feels the same way. And now we, you know, have someone else. And you showed me how to like check in with them weekly is what we do now. I'd always just kind of like, okay, like, here's the things that I get done. Like, I trust you're going to do them in whatever order. But now it's more like, okay, here are the things that need to get done. Did you do them? Great. If not, like, what didn't work? What worked? You know, do you have time for another project? And so that was like the number three total game changer is that since the beginning of this year, we have just gotten so much stuff done. And in a great way, because we're working together now. So how do you keep your person and you on the same page? The funny thing is, Noah, these like three big things, they all kind of tie together, right? So the goal setting and the employee on the same team, we said, what can we do so that we both know what's going on? 
and that we can keep communicating on a weekly basis, working towards the same thing. So what we did is we said, okay, we're going to have one day where we get the children out of the house (laughs) and we plan our entire year of content. We meet once a month in person and we do all the recipes for the month. So when we meet, I've already tested the recipe. I've, you know, tweaked it a couple times. And so then when we meet, it's not like, oh, what are we making this week? What are we photographing? Or what do we need to talk about for the website? Let's plan all the content out. So what we did is we bought a giant year calendar. It's literally the entire year. And we rolled it in my house along a corridor. And I had all these ideas that every time I have like a recipe idea or something, I like I jot it down. And we took those and we went through them and we put them on the calendar. (laughs) It took a day just to put it on the calendar. That doesn't include all the conversations we need to have about like, okay, when a post goes live, does it have a video? Which social media channel does it need to go on? Does it need to be mentioned in the newsletter? Who's creating the graphics for it? Are we mentioning any affiliate things in this? Like, what are we doing with the content? This was just, here's the fucking plan for the content itself. The thing that I've observed in in getting on the same page with the company, I think a few things have really helped us, which is one, having a very clear goal. And each team can have their own goals. That's fine. But it all needs to roll up to the company goal and talk about the goal all the time. So literally every week in our company, we still do it. What's our goal? Here's how we're doing. What's our goal? Here's how we're doing. And being really annoying and getting on the same page is just kind of having status updates or how are you coordinating your different projects? Right. So we meet once in person and then we do a weekly call. And that has been just a game changer. Because like before we would email, you know, like, okay, they got this done. Here's this. And like, there's certain things that we do every single week. And now I have them in like a... I call it my goals and tracking spreadsheet. And I literally wrote down all the things and then we'd color it green if it got done, orange, if there's like a comment, red, if it didn't get done, there better be a comment on there. You know, why didn't it get done? And then we talk through them every week and it's been so helpful. I like working with people that I don't have to follow up with. I think if you're hiring people, it's what's your goal? What are we trying to do? What are the tasks we say we're going to do now? Right. And I mean, I just started working with someone else as well. And she literally wowed me this week. Like I said, we're trying to do like more affiliate stuff. And I had said, okay, you know, people have started asking me on like Instagram, hey, can you tell me whatever the link for this? And so I told her like, okay, here's the general idea. Like I create a post, then instead of people asking me like where my desk is from or where my whatever is, we create an image that shows all the different things. And then the next few Instagram stories, they can swipe up and purchase that thing. Or even if they don't purchase it from there, they can go to my blog later and purchase it. So I was in one of our apps and we had had this conversation just like, hey, this year we want to try to make more money through affiliates. This is an idea for this. This is a specific example. I was in one of my photo editing programs and I saw her main slide that she was working on and I clicked on it and there were seven beautiful images underneath with like exactly what I was thinking of in my head and she had just done 
And I was like, yes. So I wrote, I wrote everyone an email and I was like, this wowed me. It was so beautiful that I wanted it to live on my blog. I liked it that much. A few days ago with one of the guys, Mitchell, who joined on OK Dork and helps coordinate the Facebook group, okdork.com slash group. I was talking how impressed I was with him. He did all the giveaways in our 31 for 31 giveaways in January. I was talking to someone, I think Sean and our team, and I was like, oh man, Mitchell is so good. He's like, have you told him? I was like, yeah, I tell him. I told him. And then he's like, you sure? I was like, yeah. And then like two days ago, I went up to Mitchell. I looked him in the face. I was like, dude, I'm so impressed with everything you're doing. I really appreciate what you're doing. Like I could tell it like, and I was like, oh, I guess I haven't told him. And you know, I see examples of like my day job working with other, you know, companies and people and you know, it kind of leads back to kindness. Like I like when people are nice to me and I hope I'm nice to them. (laughs) So three major ahas from you. What are the elements of a dream day? Get your goal setting vision board put together and then get on the same page with who you're working with and be impressed with them. I love it. And so what are the things that you were really excited to share that you think the listeners would benefit from that we didn't get to talk about? A few other things that I would definitely love to tell people about, like slow, consistent stuff has big gains. I have a a little print in my office. I don't know if you can see it in the corner. And it says big things happen one day at a time. And I actually went to like a printing place for a fun class once. And I did that print. You know, and a lot of business is so unsexy. (laughs) You know, I spend two to three hours a day working on stuff when my kids are asleep. And if something happens, like if one of them wakes up or whatever, I'm going to put down my computer and I'm going to go deal with it and live my life. (laughs) But at the end of the week, then I will have worked five days, three hours. That adds up. I like that. I wrote a question for you that I was curious about. You said earlier in the show, you were like, I'm still so excited. And, you know, I do something for like a month and I'm like, ah, this is so boring. I've, I've already mastered it. Not all the time. I'm being a little hyperbolic, but I guess it made me curious for how to keep excited. Obviously, you like cooking and you like doing the things you're doing, but it's like, you know, there's days for biking. I'm trying to bike 4,000 miles this year. And I'm just like, you know, like on Monday, I was like, I just don't feel like getting on the bike. So I got on the bike. How do you still stay excited about your business 10 years later? I think those days and how you choose to deal with them are what make you successful or not successful. You didn't feel like going on your bike. Hey, guess what? You got on your bike and you biked a few miles and that was getting you closer to your day. So I would definitely look back on that and be like, holy shit, I got on my bike. You took some action towards a goal, Noah. And then when you're at the end of the year, looking back, you're like, I biked 4,000 miles and one day it was just only five miles, but guess what? I did it. Every Thursday, I schedule out my newsletter, which goes out Friday morning, every Thursday. That's what I'm doing Thursday night. And guess what? Some Thursdays, I don't want to be here like scheduling that. I would rather be doing something else, but I do it. And then Friday morning, like I get responses to my newsletter and people are like, oh, I love this or love that. And like, I genuinely love putting it out. And then I look back and I'm like, okay, it was worth it. (laughs) I'm still missing like what keeps you excited for your business? I mean, there's so much stuff I want to do still. I feel like it would be that way in whatever situation I'm in. I feel like work, work, my day job. I'm going to be doing a lot less hours than I'm going to be doing remote. But I'm thinking about all the ways that I can like 
add value in my current situation and like how I can make it better. Like it's probably going to end up being better for the company that I'm working remote and like working on other stuff that I can't do in the office. And so I keep really good lists and it's like my inspiration ideas list. And I just like keep it going. And I do the same thing for my business. Like I did this whole year of planning that wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't been like logging my ideas. <laughs> Is that what keeps you going? I mean, because my business partner, Chad, does this and it's inspiring and I appreciate what he says. He says, there's unlimited things to do and create in the world. Yes. My mother's famous saying, if you're bored, let me give you something to do. <laughs> I understand both sides. So when I was pregnant, I had really awful pregnancies. Like I had hyperemesis where I was like throwing up every day. Like it was the worst. And then you have these people who like are glowing and like love pregnancy. And I was just like, that is not my experience. And they'd be like, oh, it's all going to be worth it when you have the baby. And you're like, I want to punch you in the face, you know, shut up. And then you have the baby and you're like, oh my God, like I feel so much love. Like, okay, yeah, like it was worth it. I think what gets you through is like knowing that it's a process and there's something that's going to come out on the other end that's great. Is that what keeps you going? I just think of all the stuff that like is going to happen, like the future. I don't know, my goals. That sounds cheesy, but I know if I'm sitting here working, slugging through it, it's going to get me closer to my goal. And that for me makes me excited. Hmm. What's your goal? I have many. And a lot of times you can like write them down and then work towards it. But like for my business, I want a million people visiting my site every month. And so I know the little things like every time I hit publish on a blog post, hopefully a few more eyes are on it. I think what I've noticed for myself is that if I don't actually give a fuck about the goal, like I've had goals where I'm like, Ugh, I don't know. But like the biking one, I'm proud of myself. Like I did it last year, 3000 miles and I, me and my buddy Anton did it. I was like, we did it. I can do anything I want. For OK Dork, I was like, all right, I'll grow my email list or I'll grow my thing. And I was like, I don't really care. Yes. It's it's just interesting to hear because on the flip side, I hear this and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, if I had all these people listening to my shit or, like, caring, that would make me care more. I don't know. We're just all – we're all built in different ways. You see these people with these, like, huge, like – Pinterest accounts. And you're like, oh my God, I want that. But then at the end of the day, you look through the click-through rate and it's crazy low. So I would rather have like 10 people clicking everything I put out and like actually coming to my site than a million people looking at the pretty images, but never clicking through. Totally. So do any other must share notes? Don't let a five minute project take you five days. Again, that goes back to like, just do it. Just get it off your list and move on. It's always so funny because like I did it today. Like I was trying to change my door locks. It's literally been sitting there for like, I don't know, maybe a week or two. And then I did it. It took like 45 minutes. And I was like, one, I felt good about myself. I was like, wow, Jewish people can be handy. My fiance was like crapping on me years ago. Like Jews just know how to hire people very well. That's a skill. <laughs> <laughs> it's a skill. But I felt damn good. But I've been avoiding it. And then I was like, that stuff's hard. Yeah, you just got to start. There's a book I think coming out that's like, the most important thing. And basically it's to be loyal to your word. Oh, that's powerful. So like when I'm negotiating with myself, like last week I said I wasn't going to drink till Friday and it was Thursday night. It was 845. And I was like, I'm going to El Paso tomorrow. I don't have anything more tonight. I can drink. And then I drank, you know, you start negotiating with yourself and 
It builds a bad habit personally. One thing I wanted to ask you is how do we get more female listeners to check out the show? You got to start with people like me. What are people like you? People that swear? Uh, You know, people who swear are actually, there was like a study. They're more honest. I need to find that study and like reference it because I do swear and I need to watch that. Once you listen to something of yours and like it clicks for you, like you'll keep coming back. And so I don't know how to get in front of the females in the first place because there's like a lot of this like soft, very like female only focused. And it's great if that if that's what gets you going. What I like about you is that like you're honest and you tell it like it is and you kind of make fun of some of the like online business people. And like, to me, that is hilarious. I think a lot of people want to hear that it's like, oh, you start a small business and then it makes a million dollars. And that message is so catchy. Who wants the message that it like takes nine years and, you know, you're slowly doing things and you're improving. That's not a sexy message. But I think it's a message that's important that needs to get out there. I think one thing in marketing is know who your customers are. And mine are really cool women like yourself. And then a lot of guys that are probably 20s and up now doing startups or side hustles and marketing. So I'll stick to my audience. Yeah. My last question was, what advice do you have for me for improvement for anything? And then the second is, you know, how can I reach people like you? Do you do any cooking? How can I, you know, does everyone eat? I think the thing I don't like about your business is that it's very Google dependent for the most part. Like how much your traffic is Google? Yeah, like 70. So if Google today, like if I went over to Larry and Sergey or whatever, Sundar, and I was like, yo, let's go fuck with Fee today. See what happens. Like you're out of business, not out of business because your costs are relatively lower. But you're very dependent on them. So the thing for me is, how do you move that traffic into your email list or into a channel that is more reliable? And the problem with a site like yours is that in terms of your death list, if Google fucks you, you're screwed. So I think that's the number one thing I would look at in your business is like, how do you hedge that or buy insurance against that? And then the second thing is like, your site has all these annoying fucking ads. I hate these blogger cooking sites and I get it. Like go copy Rachel Ray. Copy Rachel Way, copy Martha Stewart. They don't have annoying ass ads freaking everywhere over their site. You know why? Because they probably make a shit ton of money with like selling, you know, pots and pans that have their name on it. You can be that big. But I need to get that big by people finding me. I don't know how they did it. I'd probably go research like how did Rachel Ray get on TV or how did Martha get on TV or how do you move to the next level of cooking? So number two, just figure out how to not have so many fucking annoying ads. It just makes your site look like shit. And it's also slow. And I, it just always turns me off whenever I, and, and I get it. You come from people come from Google you're arbitraging the traffic to make money from it, but figure out other ways that I just, I think aesthetically it just looks like shit. And look, I get it makes money. So don't go and wrecking it and breaking it now. But I think you have to test like what other ways can I make even more money doing things that are maybe less intrusive or less distracting. And then the number three thing I saw on the bottom of your site, you had five ingredient Fridays. And so I think my thing with you with cooking is that there's like different cook people out there. I think the question I would really ask is like, what are you known for? Like, How many mommy cooking bloggers are there? A million, but I am known for my five ingredient recipes. That's my cookbook is about that. So I would just only do that or just figure out what are branded categories of things that you can just own. So like five ingredient Fridays, go fucking way crazier on that. Five ingredient Fridays, Jewish edition, five ingredient Fridays, Packers version, five ingredient Fridays, you know, wedding style, five ingredient Fridays, like breakfast, five ingredient, and like 
just do something that you're known for. Like, so, okay, dork, I got known for like Facebook. I got known for marketing. You get known for stuff, but make it easier to get known about something. And you have something, if this is popular, go deeper and then maybe experiment with like another thing like that. Like the point is that there's so many out there. I think you need to figure out, you know, Rachel Ray, like our Martha, they kind of have like, there's things about them. Rachel Ray is like the peppy little annoying one. Martha's like your mom. There's that Giada. She's like the Italian sister, whatever. I don't care if people like, I'm not here to argue that. But I think you need to pick something you're going to get known for versus another food mom blogger that's, you know, that that has cool recipes. I love that. All right. Sweetfeet.com. Thank you so much, Noah. That's a wrap. I hope you loved the episode as much as I did. And if you did, send this episode to one of your friends who wants to start a side hustle or to one of your friends who likes food. And go check out Fee at sweetfee.com and try one of her five-ingredient Fridays and subscribe to her bloggy. Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's cook some pies together. I think that means baking pies together. Uh, but before you go, let me know what you thought of the episode. Don't even email me at podcast at okdork.com. Please don't. And a final special thanks to Jason at podcasttech.com, as always, for making these podcasts sound so perfect. And thank you, David and Mitchell, for everything you do. And a special shout out to my boy, Enrique of Brasilia, one of my favorite languages in the world, Portuguese, at Sumo this week. Just letting to let you know you're the man. Have a miraculous day. What's your favorite dessert?